Welcome to part two of our value for money discussion. Last week, we talked about bikes under $8,000. This week, we're going to look at bikes from eight dollars to $15,000 and bikes at the top of the market, $15,000 and up. So let's join our conversation. The next tier of new bikes, say eight to 15000 Pete, what are, you, uh, what are you looking at? What you see as value in that price range for new? There's so many bikes that are seventy nine ninety nine. There's so many values that are just a shade under that, that uh, a lot of things that I would probably recommend are technically not in that range. As much as I said I don't like price leaders, I think the new Triumph Street Twin at $8,700 is a heck of a deal, especially when the Bonneville Black Edition is eleven five. Now, granted, it doesn't have the same suspension on it and everything, but that's still a, from everything I've heard, it's a very competent motorcycle that can do just about everything really well, and Triumphs are incredibly overbuilt. I think it's a it's a, a price leader that actually is a bike worth buying, unlike the Scout 60, the Scrambler 62, the uh, whatever the other one I mentioned was. Uh, you know, they're, I think it's a real really attractive bike i i agree with you on on mine well i didn't want to talk about the africa twin because i've already talked about it so much uh but i will just say really quickly i i think that there's something in the neighborhood of about 12.9 and if you look at uh, ktms or bmws of a similar capacity they're a whole lot more than the africa twin so i won't spend too much time on it but the, i just did I, the manual is 12.9 it's seven hundred dollars more for the DCT, so it's yeah. thirteen seven. But you're still getting a whole lot of technology for seven hundred bucks. I think that's yes. still a mm-hmm. value, and yeah. and that's a pretty um, cutting edge. Well, the the value there, I think, is that it might bring more people in because it is a DCT, right? It's not as daunting, especially if you want to go adventure riding for the first time, and and when I say adventure riding, meaning going off-road, and then having to think about, oh, clutch, this, that, when you're just trying to stay on the damn bike. Right. (laughs) And granted, it is, and I say only a 1,000cc, I mean, it's a 1,000cc, but when you're comparing it to um, some of the latest offerings, like with KTM and their adventure bike, they make, I think the smallest one they make right now is an 1190 um, quite a bit bigger motor, but it's also a huge jump in price. And then same with the BMW, the GS line, again, a huge jump in price. Uh, they're a little bit bigger bike, but the Africa Twin, if you're uh, you know going to be commuting slash want to do a little bit of adventure riding, um, you know, a solid $8,000 less than some of the other upscale adventure bikes that you can buy. It's really not an adventure bike, but the other one that I was going to mention, which I think is a pretty amazing deal, it doesn't have the off-road capability of the Africa Twin, but the Versus, Kawasaki Versus 1000 LT, which comes with, you know, handguards on it and saddlebags, and it's strictly a street bike, but it kind of has that tall bike feel and style to it. I, I just think that's a spectacular motorcycle for the money. Uh, yeah, this is kind the, of in the similar category as the the Honda uh, CB500X, um, where eh, it's it's really tough to call it an adventure bike, and whether you could or not, it's debatable. Maybe with some tires on it, but but yeah, I mean, it, it's almost like a little bit more 
little long travel uh, FZ type of motorcycle. But what do these cost new, Pete? The uh, MSRP on it is twelve nine ninety nine, so thir- okay. thirteen grand. I think it points out what a deal the Africa Twin is. But if you weren't going to be going off road and you wanted uh-huh. something more street oriented, everything I've read about these is they make tremendous amount of power. They're comfortable enough; you can tour on them all day long. They handle really yeah. well in the curves. Uh, yeah, I think we'll see more and more accessories for these. I think it's just the, a common sense bike. Like people have been asking for for years, and I hope they sell a whole bunch of them. I know they sold fairly well last year. I hope this is kind of like the concourse that it just is around for a long, long time because I think it's really good. And when yeah. you consider that the, you know, if you want to look at sport tours, the Kawasaki Concourse 14, which I realize is a bigger bike, more capability, it's 16 grand. You're paying three grand more for the concourse over this, and I would actually prefer this over the concourse. So, yeah. so I talked about the Africa Twin, but I do want to throw out this other one, which I'm sure that you'll appreciate, Pete. The Can-Am Spider. The value in the Spider for what you get, because if you think about it, it's more than a motorcycle. There's like, you know, there's two front wheels, and there's suspension that goes along with it, and, and all these other things with reverse and all that. A Spider, especially the RT with the luggage on it and all that, MSRP does over $23,000 when you start comparing that to what you get with other kind of touring motorcycles. And like you were just saying, the Concourse, it's 16. And yeah, the Can-Am's a lot more. But if you're talking about riding long distances, I think that the value for the Spider is probably about as good as you can get on, well, a, on a long distance cruiser. If you compare that to something that is about the same price, like uh, Harley Street Glide, yeah, you know, and we're not even talking about the 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 Tri Glide. We're not even talking about the Harley Trike, which is a pretty sucky three wheeled <laughs> vehicle. You know, yes, it's got a motorcycle front suspension and front tire, so it doesn't steer worth crap. It, it doesn't have all of the anti lock brakes. Stability control, traction control, the fact that it's yeah. integrated braking so you can just stomp on one brake pedal and let the computer decide which wheel needs to get traction. Uh, yeah. There's so much more technology, and quite honestly, I have ridden a Tri-Glide, and they suck at handling. They're just yeah. lousy. Even on the highway, just making course corrections is tiring. I own a Spider, so I don't want to agree with you too heartily because they're... <laughs> Yeah. But well, <laughs> obviously I bought one, so I thought it was worth the money. Yeah, well, I don't own a spider, uh, nor do I want to own a spider, but I do appreciate the value that you get on one. Uh, you know, in, in previous podcasts I've talked about, I think that it would be pretty neat to get a Honda Goldwing and ride it across the country. But the more that I think about it, I would much rather have a spider to do that. And I like being on two wheels, but the spider just not having to really battle the the wind as much and being protected and having the stability of the three wheels, the comfort I and, and for the price for what you get for that price, I just think it's a really killer value. So, and I've had a lot of people that have taken a test ride on a spider yeah. who ride two wheels and they say, "Oh, I didn't like it at all. Oh, it's totally weird." It's yeah. like, okay, how good were you on a motorcycle? After a 25 minute ride, you know, it takes it. It took me probably a good thousand miles to really get to the point where I was comfortable on it. 
my friend Rusty and I swapped bikes, and I got on his V-Strom 1000, and he got on my RSS out in Kansas with a 40-mile-an-hour crosswind, and we rode maybe 20 miles, and he got on me. He's like, no, it, it just felt so weird. It, it just felt yeah. like it was darty, and, and it was like it does take a whole different set of uh, motor memory to be able to be comfortable on them, and once you do, uh, yeah. they're a lot of fun. Yeah, do they have power steering on them? Just a they, random they, question. They have a little actuator, uh, linear actuator that uh-huh. does take some of the effort out on low speed, and as you go faster and faster, the computer dials it out more and more until you okay. get about 30 or 40 miles an hour. Then it's just direct steering. Interestingly, not when you're at a standstill, but when you're rolling parking lot speeds up to about 40 miles an hour, it gives you a little bit of assist. Yeah. And, <laughs> And talking about non-currents, right now, the Spider F3, which is their kind of feet-forward cruiser-style bike, which actually I rode uh, a couple times, and as long as you get the floorboards with them, they're really comfortable. Last uh, The 2015 Spider F3 standards without the touring gear on them and stuff like that, under sixteen grand right now as non-currents. Uh, that's a killer deal. That is yeah. a whole lot, and it's got the three-cylinder, uh, water-cooled inline motor, which just absolutely is silky smooth from idle. You can just twist the throttle, and it doesn't buck or shake. It'll just—it has so much torque down low. There, it's a really, really nice engine. Yeah, I I would wreck. And the other thing they were able to do is since you sit so much lower on them, they dialed back the nanny quite a bit. So you can get a lot of harder cornering with that than you can with like mine or my wife's, because when you're perched on top of it, they didn't want anybody flying off the bike. But with that, you've got feet forward. So you can kind of push against your feet for leverage and kind of keep your, your lower torso locked in. So they really allow that to corner harder than the other models. Uh, I'm not about to trade mine in for one, but if anybody's looking for a spider right now, go out and buy an F3 from last year, and it it's an incredible value for sixteen grand. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, Eric, did you have any other motorcycles that you were looking at? So I had, I think I, I'm I'm going, I'm changing up what I had off my original one because I look, I went back and looked at the price and it comes close to topping out so i'm at, at the the tier and i still think it's a value with that but maybe not maybe that's just my emotions dictating dictating that or justifying what i'm feeling is value so i circled back and looked at a couple other ones really quick and the first one that i'm going to throw out is one you mentioned a little bit earlier garrett and that is the fj09 mm-hmm. so it has all the benefits of modern, you know, modern technology, modern design, a good triple engine. If you want to go sport touring without having a 650 or 700 pound motorcycle, um, you know, this is certainly closer into the 525 or 550, I think, but still good. And as I recall from reading, and I'm trying to remember some of the reviews I read a few months ago about it, I think it generally was a pretty well received motorcycle. And at 10.5, for what it is, I think it's I think it's a really I don't think it's an awesome value, but I think it's a very I think it's good value or fair value for the money. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. Um, you know, it's starting to kind of fill that in-between niche where 
kind of like where the CB500X is. It's not really like a, a big bike per se. It's not a FZ1 or a 1,000cc, um, you know, inline four with 160 horsepower. But but it's more than some of the smaller displacement bikes and, and also one that gives you a little bit more front protection and a little bit yep. uh, a little bit more comfort for cruising. So, yeah, it's I, not, I think it's, you're... It's it's not tall like an adventure bike, you yeah. know. It's but it's it but it's got some protection unlike a standard motorcycle. But it's you're not hunched over like a sport bike. So I think you know if 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 people take their sort of their egos out of it and look at it from a pra- yeah. t- practicality standpoint, I think it really, like you say, hits a really nice Goldilocks spot yeah. of it. Just does so much so well yeah. for for a reasonable amount of money. Yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, the other bike I was thinking about value wise and, and value values a little bit in air quotes because of the brand, um, but the BMW F800 GS Adventure. Um, yeah. look, looking at the website, MSRP with ABS is thirteen eight ninety five. Yeah. Um, in many ways, I think the eight hundred is a better bike than the twelve hundred simply from. That it weighs about 200 pounds less. Okay, probably not 200 pounds. And pull up the data and look, but it, it's significantly less weight. Um, yeah. It's got 85 horsepower. You're buying into the BMW. You know it's going to run for 100,000 miles. There's yeah. 10 billion dollars worth of aftermarket parts that are going to be available yeah. for it, and you yeah. have a huge community to to kind of go with. And most of the people are going to be more than well. Hard to say. You're either going to be going on the Sunday morning coffee run or you're going to be doing, you know, 5,000 miles of off-road adventure. So, I mean, yeah. it kind of comes into one of two things. Um, you know, you've got all, like I said, all the aftermarket stuff that's available. But for what BMW gets for some of their bikes, I think it's pretty fair value. And it's a bike that you really could ride around the world with and not worry too much too much about it. So, yeah, uh, for, for it, me, that's kind of the it's the Porsche Cayman of motorcycles where it's not a 911 it's a cayman but it's a porsche so you can say you have a porsche but you know with the the bmw it's a bmw so you can say you have a bmw but i still think the africa twin is a much better value i think resale will probably be better on the bmw at least initially i think the africa twin may be like uh transalp is now where it's very very collectible because it was the first one and that first generation may be if this truly is as groundbreaking and popular for as long as I think it might be, mm-hmm. there may be some collector value down the line. But I think in the meantime, the BMW is probably going to hold its value a little bit better. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, what about bad values in this range? I think there are some incredibly bad values that can be had where I don't get what the prices are. Uh, one example would be maxi scooters. The T-Max and the BMW uh, touring scooters are all comfortably over ten grand. The C650 GT BMW scooter is ten six. To me, that just seems like an absurd amount of money. They're the best scooters you can buy, but I'm not sure whether a ten thousand dollar scooter is going to do more than a, you know, eight thousand dollar V-Strom. Right. You've got to really want a scooter to, and it's, these, are, these aren't even step through scooters. You know, it's not right. like they have the convenience of a true step through flat floored. Other than wind protection, they're not that much different than a lot of bikes. Yeah. So perhaps it's because I don't 
I don't really care for the whole maxi scooter thing. Maybe that's why I don't see the value in it. Um, for me, a ten thousand dollars scooter is pretty extreme. I like little scooters, like the Zuma Fifty. Love that thing. But these bigger scooters, I just don't know if I get because maybe the automatic transmissions have some appeal to them. But but I don't really see any advantages over it, like you said, Pete, versus a, a, a traditional motorcycle because a lot of them are really not that much easier to get on or ride. And you have a windshield, but I, for the price, I just feel like you can get a, a, a motorcycle that does more than the scooter does. But maybe that's just because I don't get the whole scooter thing. Well, f- as an extreme case, the Vespa 946 Bellissimo, Bellissima. Last couple of years, they go for 10 to 11.5. I think the 2016 model is 11.5. Underneath the bodywork, it is exactly the same as any other 155cc Vespa scooter that is less than half the price. Yeah, but you know, it's but it's got really stylish bodywork on it and a fancy seat, and people will pay twice <laughs> as much for the right style. I and I and I think yeah. that's part of being a scooter rider is the style means as much to you as the mechanics. That's why you're comfortable having all of those messy worry bits. You know, that's yeah. been around hidden because you just want the style. The Vespa 946 is probably similar to some of like the really expensive Harley Davidsons, where it's just like that's just what you want. So you're going to buy it, right? A $10,000 Vespa, that's absurd. I mean, that's just absolutely absurd. This should be a, a $4,000 scooter tops. I think that part of it is. It's like a Harley in that you want to brag that it's this limited, expensive, you know, it, people are as attracted to a high price as they are to the vehicle itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. And I mean, yeah, it's it's got that Vespa styling. And if, I mean, I do have a Vespa, but I didn't buy it. This one, if you're into that, then sure. But $10,000, I mean, I would have to have the decision between burning $10,000 in my barbecue or spending it on a Vespa. And I think only given that circumstance would I ever buy this Vespa. And and I believe there's also an Armani version of it. Oh, God. <laughs> don't even say another thing about that. I don't even want to know. <laughs> oh, boy. My uh, my bad value in this tier, I think, goes to Ducati. A Monster 821 Stripe is 12.4. Yeah. I mean, that's... I like Ducati. They're... I like the styling of the Monster. Uh, you know, this whatever. There's everything about it. But really, that's a $9,000 motorcycle tops. I mean, yeah. on a good day, that's a $9,000 motorcycle. Yeah, so, that's true. And 12, 12.4? Eh. Especially when you're comparing them. So I, I love Ducatis, but not for their practicality or not for their value. I, I think most Ducati models, it's like we just mentioned. You, you buy one because you want a Ducati. I love Ducatis. I don't know if there's a single model that really has a lot of value. You know, maybe some of the scramblers, uh, you know, not, yeah, not like the really, really budget ones. But, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're getting to Ducati. You're getting some amount of performance, and they're not terribly expensive. But 
Um, I, I think there's some that are are reasonable value or not great value, but fair pricing. Like the 959 Panigales, they're not stupidly expensive. Yeah. But considering that, you know, 10 years ago, what you get at a 959 was, uh, you know, top of the line, 1,000cc super bike just came off the racetrack kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's it's pretty fair. Like the 939 Hyper Motard, maybe. Um, yeah. You know, there's a few in there, but it just... Yeah, yeah, they I get mean, to some of the special edition stuff, and it's like eh. I love I love the Panigale, I love um, the twelve nine nines, and I love the nine thirty nine, the Hypermoto. In fact, I really want a Hypermoto, but I don't good for about I, fifty I think, miles, and then you're done. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, I still though, like if I were looking at a value standpoint, I think that I would probably buy an R one M over the Ducati, the twelve ninety nine mm-hmm. Panigale. If yeah. I were looking, just and I'm saying from bad value, that's that's the monster. But and, and that's even looking into buying into the brand kind of thing. I still don't yeah. think it's. If you're going to do that, you might as well spend the extra two grand and get the twelve hundred. Right. And what's yep. the, what's the price on that again? The on the eight twenty one stripe was twelve four. Okay. That's twelve thousand four. That's a, yeah. That's a hefty chunk of change. Yeah. Um, a monster twelve hundred uh, clocks in at thirteen nine nine five. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and and uh, do they have any air cooled Ducatis other than the Scramblers anymore? There's no there's not, no more air cooled monsters or anything. And, and all so. and all the hypermotards and stuff are all water cooled, right? Right. Okay. Yes, yeah. and that's that's for noise and emissions purposes. Euro four has kind of killed all of that. So, yeah, but the and made them go to some hideously ugly exhaust systems too. Yes. Luckily, we don't have those. Ooh, those suck. Okay. Uh, uh, one I was going to mention, which I, I was going to ask you guys whether you thought it was a value or not, is the Honda CB one thousand R naked. Uh, it goes for eleven seven sixty, and I can't decide whether that's a good value or a or not. It, I, it's a bike that I think uh, I would really find attractive, but I, it, that seems like you're spending a lot of money for a pretty ordinary motorcycle. Yeah. Yes. So my my thoughts on it are if like not not thinking about um, other motorcycles or competitors to it, I would say it is a decent value. The price for that motorcycle, I think, is a good value. Um, But when looking at other motorcycles that I would rather buy that might have a little bit more value, I think that there are probably better motorcycles to be had for the same price. So I would say comparing it to others... I think takes away a little bit of the value, but the price for that motorcycle and what you're getting, I think is okay. Yeah, I, I think it's just okay. Yeah. I think that's the best way to describe Fair, it. Fairly fairly priced, is that what we should call it? Yeah. I, think, I wouldn't say great value. I would say it's fairly priced. <laughs> I think it's a... To me, it's about like when we started the conversation and I mentioned the R1200 RS. Uh, yeah, a really attractive bike, but you're paying a fair price for it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you do get a single sided swing arm, so I do like that. Yeah, I don't know if that's really worth anything at all, but at least it's a little bit different. <laughs> True. Good point. You get that on the 946 Armani too. Ooh. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> single-sided swing arm or single-sided fork? <laughs> well, both, really. Okay, so the swing oh. arm is the is the crankcase of the engine, but, you know, so you got some unsprung weight problems there. But, hey, you're on a screen. Yeah. You don't care. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's shoot for the moon. This is this is everything above fifteen grand. What do you think is a good value? What do you think is a bad value? I will have to start out with the uh, Street Glide CBO at thirty six eight that I mentioned earlier. I got to call that a really bad value. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so similarly to you, um, I didn't even pick a model. I just lumped uh, most Harley Davidsons into that category because um, when I'm searching around. I see better values in other motorcycles. I don't think that they're bad motorcycles, but I just don't think there's a lot of value in them. So, um, like I said earlier, for what you get with a Can-Am Spider versus the other Harley-Davidson models, I just think you get a lot more. So, you know, that's my thought. I, yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll go with the most Harley-Davidsons, yes, as bad values. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, but or, if that's or, what you want, then then yeah. by all means. So, or if you want, or to fork off on that a little bit, any custom chopper, <laughs> yeah, you know that was yeah. super ridiculously priced. Someone lost their shirt on it, and they still want way too much money for it. So I know, well, but I think it's funny what you can get a custom, like a used custom chopper for nowadays. You know, when they were really hot in the late. 2000 like what 2006 7 8 9 now you can get something that somebody has had custom made for i mean a fraction of what they paid for it oh, people were oh. paying 50 60 thousand dollars for some of those things yeah they were just absurd. easy the yamaha what what was the star but has now been folded back into the yamaha star yeah uh the top three raider models go for 15 Four to sixteen nine, and yeah. I'm sorry, they are probably as well built as anything coming out of Japan. They're going to be nice and reliable. I'm sorry, you are not getting sixteen thousand dollars function out of what you're buying. There yeah. are faster, better handling, more comfortable, better everything for less money. Other than those, even if you want the chopper style, you can go out and you can buy a non-current Honda Fury or probably even Interstate for less than you're going to buy one of these for as a as a 2016. Yeah. And if you want that motor, you can buy one of their really nice kind of retro touring full dresser bagger kind of things for not a whole lot more money. I don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, as a whole, I think Victory's done a better job with trying to compete against Harley-Davidson than uh, Yamaha or even any of the other manufacturers have. Yamaha, with their V-Twins, I, I feel like it's just like, well, you know, there is a market there. We make motorcycles. Let's just throw something together and throw it out there. And at least a few people will buy it, and that'll be maybe that'll be good enough. And, and so I just don't think it's as great of an attempt as it could be you know certainly there isn't half as much energy spent in these motorcycles as there is in their their sport bike lineups and rightfully so i mean that's where their bread and butter is but at the end of the day when they have business incentive and you can see kind of how that's going with them abandoning their whole star yeah, name you, and going back to just yamaha you can say they you know this isn't their bread and butter that 
they made a really good run at trying to compete head-to-head with Harley. I think they made the mistake of thinking that they could charge Harley prices without that kind of of loyalty and you know customer devotion and not many people have the star logo tattooed on their arm you know (laughs) they don't and and they spun that off you know kind of what was that late 99 early 2000 ish when the chopper craze was really taking off and now that the chopper craze is kind of you know cruiser chopper craze has died down a lot um not that it's still there then maybe it is the right time just to bring it all in house and you know, you're not trying if you're not trying to directly attack well, Harley Davidson and, and not have, you know, let's say it's a Yamaha, this where star sounded, you know, it didn't sound Japanese, I guess. It, it, yeah. And it was really weird because it, star, they called them, you know, V stars before then. And yeah. they didn't have separate dealerships for them or anything. So it's just like the whole branding was just taking Yamaha off the bus. Off the tank. It's not like yeah. they created a new brand. They just deleted the Yamaha name. When everyone knew they were Yamahas, it was kind of like yeah. uh, Chevy and Geo or Scion and Toyota. Those kind of captive brands in the same dealership just don't ever work. Yeah, right. uh, yeah. You really have to completely separate the brands, make them a unique something, or else there's just people get confused. I think. Yeah, I'm not terribly surprised about that happening. Abandoning Star. I want to use two bikes that I'm going to use as not necessarily bad value, but just to illustrate the differences in value. The Triumph Trophy, which I think is a gorgeous motorcycle, and from everything Mm -hmm. I've read is functionally fantastic. It it has no rough edges at all. It's a great sport touring mount. goes for $19,000. And then if you turn around and you look at the FJR from Yamaha, uh-huh. It's a whole lot less money. Uh, which uh, which Yamaha was that? The thirteen F- FJR thirteen FJR thirteen. Yeah. There, there's two different ones. There's the uh, the standard and the ES with the electronic suspension. Yeah. I don't think the electronic suspension is a bad deal, but it's like fifteen sixteen hundred dollars. Sixteen four for the regular thirteen hundred A, and then seventeen nine ninety for the ES. Okay, so sixteen four versus I think it's eighteen nine ninety for the Triumph Trophy. I'm not sure I see that much difference other than the fact that the Triumph Trophy is going to run for twenty, thirty, forty years. You know, uh, Triumphs are so overbuilt well, that that may be worth something. But it's really hard for me not to call the FJR thirteen hundred standard. My vote for best value at this price range, because everything else, there's something cheaper that significantly cheaper in an adventure bike or a commuter bike or a cruiser or a tour that I think I'd rather have less. I can see spending this amount of money on that just because it is such a polished bike and it does everything. A lot of bikes that are, you know, the big Harleys, the Triumph Trophy, a lot of really nice bikes that you can go long distance on that aren't going to handle any better and aren't going to be more powerful are a whole lot more money. So that's my vote for best value at over the 15 grand. Yeah, that was the same for me, actually. Um, I had that in my category. The, well, the FJR is just over time have 
been an amazing motorcycle. And I think they even use them, um, and some nations use them as a police motorcycle. I think that they're known to go many tens of thousands of miles. I don't think that there's any sort of inherent age issues with them. I think the age with a lot of Japanese bikes are the plastics, the rubber pieces. It's not the drivetrain itself. Right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm with you on this one. Really, for a good motorcycle, it's going to last a long time for the value and, and also used and new value. I think you can find both of them for great prices. So that was my pick, too, Pete. Eric, what's your pick for the over 15? For new bikes, and this is going to sound strange, but I'm going to, I'm going to say I'm throwing this one out there mostly from a technology standpoint. I think it's pretty amazing what you get. Um, and that's the the Ducati Multistrada. It's an off-road, I mean, it's an adventure tour bike that you throw a different, uh, they've got the Enduro version, which is coming out, which really is more for, geared for off-road, where the, the regular and the S and the Pikes Peak are more on-road. But, I mean, electronic suspension, 80,000 different ways of track to deal tr- traction control and riding modes and keyless ignition, I'm not sold on for a motorcycle, but it's got, there's just, I mean, it's like a $50,000 car's worth of electronics into a motorcycle. And, and I'm not kill- – the styling I don't, I'm not in love with. But I think from a, from a technology standpoint, yes, it's $20,000 $20, for it. And that's hard to say a $20,000 motorcycle, there's value in there. But I think for really what you're getting, it may be more fair than good value, but – that's kind of where I am on that one. Yeah, well, it's priced uh, pretty similarly to like the KTM 1190 adventure bike. And yeah. I think that you're probably getting a lot it's more, more refined. And I think it's yeah. more refined than the KTM, just all yeah. around refined. I, I, yeah. think, I think that when you get up in this price range, value takes on a whole different meaning because beyond value for lifestyle, right? Yeah. Functionally, you you reach a point of diminishing returns where you're spending more money and more money and you're not getting the same functional difference between a a $6,000 motorcycle and a $9,000 motorcycle. Yeah, the difference yeah. between a Duke 390 and a Duke 690 is a whole lot different than a 690 and, you know, something that's the same dollar value more than it. Uh, I had on my list the RSV, the Aprilia RSV4 RF is $22,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you really want a bike like that, it probably isn't a bad deal. I don't think it's a great deal, but there are people who want to spend that much money. It's less than an H2. Yeah. It's less than it's, a Modus. It's, you know, so you, it's, it's, it's difficult for me to say what is a good deal because at some point it's just if you got the money and that's what you want. And yeah. it's going to make you happy. Well, go spend the money. And it depends on how much you value the electronics, too. Like the Aprilia you just mentioned and the R1M, they have some pretty incredible electronics packages on them, similar to what you would find in a lot of GP bikes. But mm-hmm. but they're also quite a few thousands of dollars more than their their lower-end versions of kind of the same bike. Um, so, you know, you the R1M, I think, is somewhere up around just $22,000 or so. But yep. I... That might have a lot of value to somebody that really appreciates the electronics, but for somebody that really just wants the thousand cc sport bike performance for you know fourteen or fifteen thousand dollars, they might really not value all that electronic equipment. Yep. So, well, we probably should wrap this up. This is obviously going to be a two-parter. 
Yep. And those for I throw one more bike out there is a used over twenty uh, or over fifteen grand as value. And I say value, and this goes back to what I at the beginning when I opened with. It's beautiful. It's collectible, and it's great to ride because I rode one once. Pretty much anything with the name Bomoda on the tank. Yeah. I would, say, I would say most things. That most, have. yes. Like most the things. SB, the SB six in my mind was like classically styled and goes over and just how the swing arm and the frame and whatever. It's a lot of stuff that I won't spend forty five minutes gushing it about. But most, yeah, most Bomotas, their their art, their ride, they ride, and they're going to go up in value. Uh, yeah. Which may, I was thinking about Bomotas and the uh, steering hub. The f- oh yeah, the center, 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 center hub steering. The center hub steering. Yeah, the DB1. Yep, yeah. center hub steering. Uh, the DB. Which I have no idea what they go for, but it made me think uh, something used that I would probably consider a value at the prices they're going for now is the Yamaha GTS 1000 that had the rad front end on it. Uh, yep. They're not that expensive. They're a spectacularly good motorcycle. They're very collectible. They will never go down in value. Uh, regardless of what you spend on one, if you find one in really good shape, I think you could probably buy it for a very reasonable price because most people don't want them, and that's because most people don't know better. Yep. Yeah. Well, we should uh, definitely give a shout-out to some of the people that have helped us out here. Thank you to uh, Jeff and Tim and the people at Hooniverse for giving us an online home that already had a built-in readership that has helped us get fairly popular in the podcast world very quickly. So thank you to them and uh, shout engine, which is how we get our signal out. Uh, Camden tub, our sister podcast. If you took our podcast and made it about Porsches and alcohol and genital references, that would be (laughs) kind of what it is. They've mentioned us in their podcast every week. And I want to return the favor and say, go listen to them. And, Please review us and rate us. We finally do have a rating on iTunes. Some people finally, I think we got six or seven ratings and a couple of very good <laughs> comments. So thank you for that. Go to our Facebook page. Leave us messages on Hooniverse. Thank you, guys. And if any of you have opinions about what you think uh, we should have talked about or want to disagree with the fact that we bashed your Street Glide CVO, feel free. <laughs> Feel free to go to Hooniverse and rant and rave in the comment section. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, and I will talk to you later. Later. Okay. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.